The autumn appears to be real, for it is Tuesday, November 17th, 2020, and the leaves have gone. I'm Sean Tubbs, and please fall into this latest edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. Today's Patreon-fueled shout-out is for the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign, an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the northern Piedmont. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Over 25 partner organizations all want to help you. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them I sent you. There is no caveat placed on today's count of 2,125 new cases of COVID-19 in Virginia this morning from the Department of Health. That's now the highest one-day total without an asterisk, higher than the 2,103 reported on November 7th. The seven-day average for new daily cases is 1,693. The percent positivity for PCR tests continues to rise and is at 7.4% today, up from 7.3% yesterday and 6% on November 7th. Another metric that demonstrates the rise of cases in Virginia is the total number of new cases per 100,000 of population. The statewide figure today is 259.3, up from 169.5 a month ago on October 17th. The number of people confirmed to have died of COVID in Virginia is now 3,835. That's 413 more people since October 17th. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 23 cases reported today, bringing the seven-day average to 24. The percent positivity rate for PCR tests dropped to 2.1% from 2.7%, but that is in part based on an additional 4,668 tests processed yesterday. I have a question out to the Blue Ridge Health District for an explanation. Looking around the rest of Virginia, the city of Roanoke posted a record 82 cases this morning and reported another five deaths. The city of Lynchburg reported 41 cases today and 43 cases yesterday. Their total number of cases per 100,000 population is 311.7. The city of Harrisonburg reported 35 new cases, though that number is nowhere close to their one-day total of 143 on September 8, 2020, around the time James Madison University returned to in-person instruction. Taswell County reported another 28 cases today, and their total number per 100,000 population is 570.3. Roanoke County reported another 64 cases, and their 14-day metric is 456. Wise County reports another 23 cases today, and their 14-day metric is 826.1. Let's look at percent positivity rates throughout Virginia. The Central Region reports a percent positivity rate of 6.3, the Eastern Region 6.4, the Far Southwest Region 16.4, Near Southwest 10.2, Northern, 8%, and Northwest, 5.7%. Albemarle County and Charlottesville are in the Northwest District, and those numbers are perhaps lower due to the massive amount of testing done at the University of Virginia. Charlottesville City Council spent about an hour last night discussing ways to address speeding concerns on 5th Street Extended, a four-lane highway that heads south from downtown Charlottesville that has seen more residential neighborhoods built over the years, and more are to come. One person concerned with recent crashes on 5th Street lives around the intersection at Bailey Road. Here's Kristen Lucas. 
Um, I walk on Fifth Street almost every day. I bike to work sometimes on Fifth Street. Uh, and I walked out my door when there was a crash uh, and someone had passed away on Fifth Street. And I strongly support changes to Fifth Street to make it not only safer for drivers, but also for pedestrians and bikers and those that are living on this road. Lucas and about 1,400 other people have signed a petition to ask council to push for changes to the roadway. She said she wanted more than for the city to limit the speed, and she supported roundabouts and other traffic calming measures. Traffic engineer Brennan Duncan wrote a report that outlined how vehicular speed has played a role in the five fatal accidents that have taken place in the past four years. It's, it's my assertion that there's really not a speeding problem with the posted speed limit of 45. Um, but I had said in my, my report to council, you know, we do have a corridor that allows for higher speeds for those that do want to break the speed limit. Duncan's suggestions for short-term solutions include reducing the speed limit to 40 miles per hour and additional lighting. Midterm solutions could be informed by studies such as a 2018 study of the entire 5th and Ridge Street corridor. Joan Albiston of the Willoughby neighborhood singled out a specific intervention that she favored. I have read the traffic engineer's report for 5th Street, and I would like to thank them for their recommendations to make 5th Street safer. They, um, I, in particular, I'd like to thank them for recommending a flashing yellow arrow in place of a green light. These would be for what traffic engineers refer to as permissive left-hand turns. Duncan explains the logic behind adding these flashing yellow lights. Nothing changes about the functionality. Um, you know, you're supposed to yield on a green ball anyway, but it's it really, you know, it's been found that you know, it alerts drivers more that you know, they are supposed to yield in that condition. For a midterm solution, Duncan is recommending a roundabout just north of Bailey Road. What the roundabout would do would, would really put a a damper on that right in the middle of the corridor where drivers are, are forced to slow down. Duncan said that about 18,000 vehicles use the roadway every day, and more efforts need to be made to get people out of their cars and onto buses. He said there could be as many as 500 more residential units in this area in the next several years if undeveloped property is built upon. The mother of a man who died in a motorcycle crash earlier this year had the chance to address council about the issue. Hi, my name is Benta Rose, and um, my son was one of the fatalities on Fifth Street Extended. Um, I had some concerns regarding um, that roadway as well. Um, even though speed may contribute to his um, fatality, um, the, I just had a question about the, I know that you guys were talking about some lightning. Um, in the area, like the median. And I know that the cars that pull out of the driveways there, um, so my son actually in the, you know, driving down that road, uh, SUV pulled out and pulled out into the traffic. And so he tried to avoid the vehicle and he hit a tree. Rose said the crash happened at night when there was no lighting. She also said she wants the roadway's character to be less of a speedway. Council agreed to the lower speeds and the flashing yellow light. 
For other solutions, Council will further discuss the topic at a budget work session on the Capital Improvement Program on Friday that begins at 1 p.m. City Council also approved $100,000 in CARES contingency funding to go to city employees who have either been laid off or have had their hours reduced. They can request up to $1,000 for assistance, depending on income level. Kaki Dimmock is the Director of Human Services. $1,000 is certainly helpful. It is symbolic. It is, um, it's not addressing someone's poverty concern. Um, it, it might be very critical for that month, but it's, it's certainly not a sufficient amount of money to address someone's ongoing uh, concern. Today in meetings, the Albemarle Planning Commission will have a work session at 6 p.m. on technical language intended to translate the vision of an urban Rio 29 into a reality. Michaela Accardi of the Department of Community Development described the existing conditions in the area slated for what is known as a form-based zoning code. The area that this planning effort is referring to is about 400 acres around the Rio Road and Route 29 intersection, and most of the properties in this area are commercial, um, single-use properties. And the vision for this plan Um, is a connected network of complete streets designed for all types of users, um, a network of public spaces that are sustainable and usable and enrich community, and a vibrant and diverse mixture of uses. For more on how this vision has worked in other communities, there's a link in the newsletter to a very long article I wrote last summer on how Arlington, Leesburg, and Virginia Beach have employed form-based code. The Charlottesville Board of Architectural Review meets at 5.30 p.m. and will hold a preliminary review on the potential conversion of 1000 West Main Street into a Starbucks coffee franchise, as well as a review of a modification to the approved design at Dairy Central and an intermediate review of a four-story building planned at 612 West Main Street, where a university tire franchise now stands. The Albemarle Economic Development Authority meets at 4 p.m. Among the items on the agenda is an update on tourism in the area from Courtney Kakation, Executive Director of the Charlottesville Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau. They'll also vote on a proposal to add public comment at EDA meetings. The Charlottesville Parking Advisory Panel meets at 3.30 p.m. for an update on the future parking structure, as well as an introduction of the Parking Action Plan adopted by Council in January 2017, when they purchased the land for said structure at a cost of $2.85 million with no prior public input. The Seville Plans Together initiative will hold another webinar this evening to introduce the draft affordable housing plan to anyone interested. The Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority meets following the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority, which begins at 2 p.m. And that's it for today's installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast. As always, this show is supported by people like yourselves who might be benefiting from the content in some way. The whole goal of this is to try to get us all to discuss the issues that are in front of us by referring to the very meetings on which our local democracy runs. Now, in order for me to do that, I need to make a living, and there are many ways for you to support me if you're capable of doing so. You don't have to. This content will remain free as long as I produce it. But if you would like to support it financially, there are many ways to do so. You can submit a monthly contribution through Patreon that'll give you behind-the-scenes looks at what's going on and what I'm coming up with. You can subscribe through Substack, or you can send me a one-time payment through Venmo. I do take checks. 
I do want to repeat though, that the vast majority of this content will remain free as long as I'm producing it. Thank you for listening, and please do send it on to a friend if you think that they might be interested in learning more about our community. After all, that's what this is about. It's called community engagement for a very important reason. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment.